0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Yehopitzville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. My name is Ralph Benmerge. I'm the host of the uh, podcast, and uh, I go all across the country uh, looking in far-flung destinations for Jewish life. Uh, We've been from one end of the country to the other. I've got one I'm uh, lining up, by the way, for Glace Bay, which is one of the original Jewish settlement areas in Canada. And uh, I'm getting people coming out of the woodwork for that one, just saying, I've got stories about Space, so I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. I may end up with 20 people. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I uh, was always interested in a rabbi I'd heard about in Regina. And I thought, okay, I don't know how many Jewish people there are in Saskatchewan. By the way, there's less than a thousand. Um, but um, what's he doing there? Why did he go there? What's he getting out of it? So I figured it was time to ask him directly. His name is Rabbi Jeremy Parnes, and uh, he is my guest this week on so How are you, sir?
1: I'm well, sir. Very well. Thank you.
0: So what's a, a, a nice guy from the UK doing uh, rabbying in Regina? What a good question. I'm hiding. Not
1: not really. Um, <laughs> I sometimes wonder myself um, why I'm here, but I have no complaints about being here either. Coming from London, England, originally, um, spending time in um, other parts of Europe, including uh, Holland and Germany for a while um, on, on different kinds of business. Um, but remember that I wasn't a rabbi originally, and, and I never planned to be a rabbi. So, you know, a lot of people think that people uh, who clergy, people who come to to that place, uh, it's something that was always there and that they planned to do somehow, that they were called upon to do. Uh, that was not my calling. Or at least I didn't think so at the time. And um, I've been through now three careers um, uh, since I this started, and this is my third career, um, becoming a rabbi.
0: Did you have a spiritual life before that? I mean, was it, did it emerge slowly?
1: I've was... um, always been, I was brought up and raised in, a, in, in an Orthodox Jewish household family. Um, my roots go back many years, uh, many centuries uh, from a Jewish perspective um, through the parts of Eastern Europe and, and, be, and beyond, Um, And I lived right next door. I was born into a household where the house was right next door to the second oldest synagogue in London the Spanish and Portuguese synagogue in Lauderdale Road. So um, We were what we called the minion makers, my two brothers and I and my father. Uh, there was always a knock on the door at some point during the week to say, could you come and help him make us a minion? So um, I was kind of drawn into it regardless, if you will. And I sang in the choir there um, as well and studied there. And I went to only Jewish schools. So, I mean, I could say that I was reading Hebrew before I was reading English.
0: So Spanish, the Spanish, Portuguese, did they have a sephardic service or an Ashkenazi service
1: absolutely sephardic service predominantly from uh, spain and portugal um and 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 also um a growing uh, community from the middle east as well i also have a family primarily through marriage from iraq and um, persia
0: also Mizrahim. Um,
1: Yes, Mizrahi, exactly. And, and um, a strong Ashkenazi influence as well, the Eastern European. My father was from, uh, his family was from Belarus, my mother's family from Berlin, Germany. Wow. And so the other shul that uh, we were acquainted with um, was the, uh, the synagogue in St. John's Wood.
0: Isn't that fascinating? Uh, I mean, I was brought up in a Sephardic household. So for yeah. me, it's very interesting to, you know, and then had to spend, had to, did spend a lot of time in the Ashkenazi world. And to this day, I spend most of my time in the Ashkenazi world. So we, sure. we cross these borders, I guess, and hopefully influence each other in a positive way. So you, you didn't start off thinking I've, I've got to become a rabbi, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just have to. Um, how, how did you... How did you find your way there? I mean, some people believe there's destiny. Other people believe there's a voice inside. How did you find your way into it? Or, or do you think you just stumbled? Um,
1: I, I definitely did not stumble into my uh, Yiddish, my Jewishness. No. But I uh, but I, I kind of stumbled into the rabbi world. Um, yes. So being born and raised a Jew, going to Jewish schools, I went to the what it was the, the only Jewish boarding school in England, Carmel College. Um, so, you know, I was really steeped in, in, into, um, Judaism on all levels. Um, and I guess what I would say is as a result, wherever I lived in the world, I, the first thing I would do when I moved into a community. So when I left England and moved to Canada, I moved to Toronto. And the first thing I did was to seek out a a, a local shore, a local synagogue. Uh, when I moved from there to London, Ontario, I did the same thing. And then subsequently, I moved to Regina. These were all business moves, uh, period. Uh, you know, nothing else, nothing more. And um, when I moved to Regina, it was meant to be actually only for a year on my way to uh, Calgary or Vancouver. there would be the company I was working for. And, of course, the first thing I did was I found the uh, Beth Jacob Synagogue in Regina and, um, and, and joined the synagogue. So I've always been a, 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 a part of and joined, been a member of the, a Jewish community wherever I've gone. But the rabbinics was unexpected.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was quite happily going along my way, minding my own business. And uh, the last rabbi that we had at, at the shore, at the synagogue, who uh, was from, uh, he came in from, um, from Toronto, and his wife just couldn't stay in Regina. She was a New Yorker. And uh, she'd been, you know, they came in from Toronto. They'd only been there a little while. New York was really their base home and uh, she needed to go back. And so in the end, she won out and he put in his notice and gave notice. And uh, what happened was while we formed a search committee, a couple of us got together and said, well, we'll keep taking services, doing things just to keep things going until we find um, a replacement. We found a number of rabbis who applied for the position. And for one reason or another, it wasn't a fit until one day the president of the community turned around to me and said, you know, if you made us an offer, we'd be really interested. Um, well, I was totally shocked by that. It, I was totally unexpected. Do you remember that um, day?
0: Do you remember what happened to you that day, how, how you felt?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I think the uh, Australian term would be gobsmacked. Why were you gobsmacked? It it never occurred to me. What was really interesting about it, I should mention, um, the rabbi that had had just left, um, rest his soul, he passed away a number of years ago. Now, when when he after many years after he moved back to to New York, but um, he and I used to meet for uh, um, sushi on a regular basis, <laughs> and primarily, I think, to consume significant amounts of sake, um, after which I went back to work and he went for a nap. But anyway, I, I was subjected to that. I thought that was not fair. Um, um, just before he left, he turned around to me. And he said, you know, you're going to be the rabbi there. Hmm. And I honestly can tell you, uh, Ralph, that if at the time, if I could have sold the house and taken every penny that I had, I would have bet against that. So I'm <laughs> really glad that see? I
0: didn't. But what did he see that That's you didn't question. see him? That's the question.
1: Okay, um, my, as much as I have had a, a long and, and, and happy career over the years in sales, or had have um, and enjoyed it immensely. I was a sales trainer, I was a sales manager, and I did those things and enjoyed them. Um, I've always been really drawn towards uh, community community service. My first career was community development. Mm. It's what I enjoyed the most. I specialised and worked in an organisation that um, ran a social housing uh, program in in London, England, uh, some many many years ago. Um, and I I always loved that, but I got out of it because I needed to make a living, and there was not a, a lot of money at least then, and I don't think there's a much, that much in it today, even in 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 social um, housing in that right, way. Right. And so I got into business or sales because I wanted to make a living. But then I always did uh, community work. So for example, when I moved to Regina 34 years ago, um, that was 85. In, in I was on the steering committee that brought Habitat for Humanity to Regina because that resonated for me. It, it was a part of what I love doing the most, and so I, I, I you know, I, I was happy to be a part of that.
0: And you still do that work. You still you still uh, work. I with absolutely. You. Oh, absolutely. So I'm not
1: actively involved with Habitat for Humanity right now, but I just made a proposal, and I've been speaking with the chief of one of the local reserves, Chairpod, uh, about putting a proposal for social housing in inner city Regina that I've been working on for the last couple of years to see if we can start to redevelop the community.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about the the Regina community. I know that there's a rabbi uh, from Argentina in Saskatoon. I know that there's a Chabad uh, and that you all find ways to work together. But tell tell me, who were your congregants? Where are they coming from and what kind of people are they?
1: Um, Our congregants. Well, I mean, we're a small community, as you can well imagine. You you mentioned the the population of Jews in the whole of Saskatchewan. So, you know, in in Regina, there is a small number of Jews, although that has expanded somewhat uh, with uh, the arrival of of Israelis to Regina, uh, primarily of initial Russian descent and then moving to to Israel. And and then it just, you know, a percentage, we know a percentage of those who had gone uh, to Israel, it didn't really work for them. Um, whether it was bombs dropping where they lived or or whatever. And so they needed to move. And um, we we had them come here. Um, Mm. They were going to move anyway. We, We helped a few families move here. Most of them are not actively involved in the community, although I think some of them are getting engaged with the Chabad rabbi in town. Um, others um, are definitely connected to us, and they come um, my, m- mainly for festival events, right? right. So uh, Hanukkah, Purim, uh, things like that, you mean, sure. high holidays, yeah. and things of that nature. On the, on the other hand, um, the, 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 the sort of the base foundational community that we have here is Regina-based Canadian families, uh, essentially, or Canadians that have moved from other cities um, to Regina. And um, they They represent the core of the community here, and they are people, a lot of them are are now retired, of course, but we've got a lot of young families as well, primarily in real estate, at the university, and and so on. It's fairly uh, sort of uh, spread out.
0: In in your particular case, you uh, studied in a tradition that's not what most people are used to, which is Jewish renewal, and got your ordination from Reb Zalman, I would assume, um, yes. So uh, how does Jewish Renewal, which I, I'm a part of as well, uh, and you also, like me, are, are uh, part of the Hush Ba'ah program, which is a spiritual director's program. But how did you find your way to that?
1: Um, absolutely. So you mentioned um, uh, Anibal, Anibal Mas, the rabbi in Sharid uh, Tzedek um, in Winnipeg, right. who's from Argentina. Before he was the full-time rabbi there, the previous rabbi was uh, Rabbi Alan Green. Alan um, was the rabbi that I connected with when I first took over as the rabbi, um, a de facto rabbi here in Regina for Bethlehem right. Synagogue, um, I felt that it was critical because then I, of course, I wasn't a rabbi at that time back in 1998. Um, well, you were needed-
0: a rabbi, but you just didn't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I, in fact, the lunch meeting that we had in Winnipeg, when I mean, I developed this relationship with Alan over the years, and 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 one day he turned around to me and he said, "Stop messing around. Go get. Go be a rabbi." Everybody's <laughs> telling
0: you to be a rabbi, and you're saying, yeah, "Never mind. I'm. I'm fine. I'm fine the way I am." Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Exactly. It was really kind of
1: interesting. It's, it's as if everybody else knew that I needed to be a rabbi except for me.
0: <laughs> so, how did you end up I, in renewal?
1: Well, so I said to Alan, first of all, you know, most people they decide they're going to become a rabbi or whatever, they, it's a calling from above. I feel at this point that my calling is coming from below. And of course, he told me the story about the, the guy whose father died. And uh, about a month after he passed away, he goes to his rabbi and says to him, Rabbi, um, I keep getting this recurring dream that my father comes to me and tells me that I should be a rabbi for this congregation, like in my little town. And the rabbi turned around to me and he said, that's beautiful, better it's the congregation that should come to you and tell you that you should be a rabbi in this town. So um, Alan basically turned around and said, look, you're doing it, you are it, stop messing around, be a rabbi. And I said, okay. I felt, at that point, a bit like Groucho Marx, um, any... Um,
0: <laughs> club that would have me as a member, I don't want to belong, that's Woody
1: Allen. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I,
0: I can't see a fit with me in any traditional
1: um, right. situation like that. And he said, well, actually, there's a place where you can go that will fit with you perfectly. I know you well enough, he said, that I know this is what you should be doing, and this is where you should be studying. So uh, that's how I got to Renewal. He, he he had he he was a Renewal rabbi. Alan is a Renewal rabbi. He was also uh, trained at JTS, the Jewish Theological Seminary, but he took a second smicha with uh, Reb Zalman at, at Aleph, hmm. and um, so he gave me the a name, a contact, Rabbi Masha Kreiger, uh, who's my my she's the Rosh Yeshiva, she's the head of the program and one of my teachers, um, and so that's also a funny story. I mean, I'm calling from, you know, little over, loose overshoe Saskatchewan, I'm calling from Regina <laughs> and I get a hold of Marsha, Reb Marsha. And I'm, I'm saying, okay, I, I'm inquiring about the Aleph ordination program and I'm really interested in, you know, in the process. And she said, that's great. Where are you? And I said, well, okay, I got to, she's in Philadelphia, right? So yeah, yeah. I said, I said, okay, um, you probably don't know it, but it's a little town called Regina. And she said, is that anywhere near Fort Sam? And I said, Yes, right down the road from Fort Sam. She said, well, I've been going there for about 18 years, uh, teaching at a a retreat center, at a Christian retreat center.
0: Um, (laughs) Uh, And that was the opening conversation. Isn't that wild? It's wild. So so you do it. uh, And do you, your congregation, Beth Jacob, is it a renewal congregation? It is now. So how, how do the people who were there be- before you became the rabbi, how did you bring them across the bridge from conservative Judaism, for instance, uh, to a Jewish renewal, which really, you know, is, for those who don't understand or know it, is, it is, is really kind of fusion of Hasidic and Buddhist and Jewish and experiential and embodied Judaism and all these things. How, how do you, because I remember Reb Zalman once told a story where he'd gotten hired at a synagogue and um, the Friday night, he, he puts all the prayer books away and he has everybody come in and he has them do guided meditations for the Kabbalah Shabbat service. And then uh, the somebody from the board calls him on Sunday and says, we've got a meeting on Tuesday. We'd love to have you come. Says, sure. So he goes to the meeting. They, he walks in and they have this stack of, of sidurim on, on the table. And the, and the guy says, we bought these for a reason. We'd like you to use them. And he realized that he had not brought the people in the congregation along with him he had just tried to bring himself to them so how did that's you right. so how did you cross that bridge that's exactly the
1: point though that's what you have to do you have to hold the whole time um you have to hold the understanding a, a good leader uh, can only lead well as long as they don't go too far ahead of everybody else. So you have to be able to main contact, maintain the, the uh, solid contact with your congregation or with your community and still be bringing them forward into where we need to go. And um, it's taken it's been a long and um, um, I, I don't want to say slow, but certainly cautious process of working with the congregation, Plus, the congregation itself is, has slowly changed dynamically over the years um, as well. But the first step was, in fact, was to um, look at the concept of being an egalitarian or an equal, uh, gender-equal community, which uh, in itself was a big shift. Um, and that was a lot of work. And that was the hardest one for me, was to, to, to get that going. Um, I had an advantage in that I took over as the rabbi in '98. Uh, as I mentioned to you, but I'd been in the community since 85. So I was already fairly familiar and I had good relationships with the community before all of this happened and in fact it was from them that this took place and then from there it was a matter of just moving slowly forward and i remember the first thing i wanted to do was to get to this point where we counted women in the minion Mm -hmm. and how we're going to do that and so i wrote several articles i invited anyone who wished to to write articles for or against however they wanted to in our uh, monthly uh, shofar uh, our own particular monthly bulletin that goes out to the community. Um, I fielded a number of calls, most of them complaints about the articles, um, which was great. To me, that's a good thing. Um, from my perspective, uh, rabbinically, the whole point is, you know, two Jews, three, three, three points of view. Um, and and we, we learn and we study and we grow by collegial argument and discussion. And so for me, when somebody says, I, unacceptable, this is not possible, my feeling and my response to that is, okay, that's your opening negotiation. Let's go from there. And, um, and then we start to talk and we start to understand what brings us to those places. My experience has been that most of the time, it's been like that because that's the way we always did it. And that's usually the most common attitude towards any kind of shift or change. It's, it's a natural human thing. So I, I credit a little bit my background in community development as helping me towards yeah, this. Yeah, it's,
0: it's not an easy thing you're doing um, because people, the older people in the congregation often are the ones who are holding on to what they knew and remember and cherish. Uh, how do you engage uh, the younger Jewish population in Regina? What do you do with them? So, again, it's, it's a process and, and slowly,
1: slowly um, allowing them to understand and see that we're making change, that things are shifting. And um, that they need to be a part of that. And when I say I need a part of that, I don't mean join because you're a Jew and you should be a part of this. But rather, uh, you have a point of view, you have a place in all of this, and your agreement or disagreement with what we do is as important and critical to the growth uh, of, of us as community as anybody else's. So you're busy, you're raising kids. It's you know, it's not that easy for you, but we'll find places where you can plug in for example more and more i talk about from a reform- re- renewal perspective of course i talk about uh, eco kashrut mm-hmm. so for me eco kashrut is not you know as rab Zalman said kosher isn't about just you know doing what the halakha the so called halakha says it's caring for the animal as well um, caring for the planet as well and so i've been looking for ways to bring us more consciously into environmental Care, not just for the younger families that I think are more responsive to that but for the older families as well and the easiest way to do that is to find things that can make a difference that are not that hard to do and can be significant um, it's the little things that make the biggest differences I've been focusing on bees and trees nice.
0: so you're bringing something interesting and new uh, I'm sure there's others who would and if they want a more um, conservadox or orthodox kind of view they can go to the Chabad right
1: mm-hmm. absolutely Absolutely. And and that's the point. For me, I'm Israel. It's one people. And if you've got one people, they all have different needs. So um, I think that uh, in many ways, Chabad is as critical to the community as I believe we are. Um, And I don't think for a minute that anybody who is um, really invested in Chabad is going to be uh, necessarily that invested in Beth Jacob. But anybody who's invested in Beth Jacob is not going to suddenly turn over and, and go regularly to a Chabad service, if you right. see what I mean.
0: Right. So we make room for both. I mean, considering this, how small the community is, you, to, to even have the diversity and choice is wonderful.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and that's the point. It's a small community. It's like, where, where else can they go? And my biggest concern is not to come with the attitude of they've got no choice, so I can do right. what I like, but rather, I need to be very mindful of the fact that they have limited choice. How can we help make this work for everybody without being relativistic, without being, you know, going, yeah. but without going too far the other way as well?
0: You know, there's the other part of this, which is in small community, Jewish communities, you get this conversation often of... We're going, to go, we're going to run out of gas. We're going to stop being a community that the, the Jewish community is finished in, in Saskatchewan. Do, do you deal with that?
1: Constantly, I, although I haven't for a while. But rabbinically, from my perspective, it's not even on the, on the table. I mean, I will accom- accommodate it. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'll discuss it. Uh, the reality is it's like every aspect of Judaism, whether it's Israel, Jews around the world, it doesn't matter. The only thing that will hurt the Jews or end us is us. It's as simple as that and, and maybe that complicated. Um, if we decide that we're not going to get, get anywhere, then we're done. And I, w- But I don't just leave it that way. I mean, you have to be able to support that with something. And it just so happens about 40-some years ago, um, there was a, a video made uh, called In Search of a Minion that was here in Regina. And I know some of the people that were on that video and were interviewed about this small Jewish community in Regina and uh, the comment that was made uh, by several of those people was, you know, as wonderful as it's been here and everything's great, we'll, we have to accept that in about 10 years, maybe 15 years from now, we're not going to be here anymore. The doors will be closed. And that was 40 years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it, it, I think it's more of an anxiety than a reality. It's just a worry that being so small, you're more vulnerable and that you can, if you don't make the effort, you can disappear.
1: Absolutely. And, and so my response to that always is the same. Then don't worry about it. Let's just focus on doing the best we can do and being the best we can be. I mean, maybe that sounds, you know, platitudes, I, I don't know. But, but the truth is, we can approach our community as a dying community, or we can approach our community as dynamic. And if we're dynamic, then there's things we can do. And for me, that's where renewal and, and our community really come uh, together. Well, um, I'm on the board of Aleph, uh, Alliance for Jewish Renewal, um, and I had stepped off for a while, but I was the past chair of Aleph as well at one point. Right. And when I first took over as chair of Aleph uh, many years ago, my my what I said to our board was renewal is 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 all about being a, a laboratory. We're on the cutting edge of Judaism. We're constantly pushing the boundary of Judaism as it re- evolves into the next, you know, the next era, the 21st century. And I see us as like the, as the children of Israel in, in the Midbar. We're a Midbaratory. <laughs> That's what we are we we are the ones that have who sit on the edge but what's interesting about that is that i don't believe that jews are the people of the book we're the people of the tzitzit the fringes we are always on the fringes we're always on the edge that's where we as jews tend to live in society wherever we are if you will
0: and and Um, you're you're on the fringes of by being in regina too right
1: Exactly. So, so so, what's new? That's, that's been the same for thousands of years. So why are we worrying about that? Like, why do we keep going back to that stuff? Let's keep going forward. Let's, let's, let's uh, live into our, our dynamic of, of who we really are.
0: So when you think of um, the Jewish population of the province in general, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine, you know, if you go to Vancouver, uh, every fourth person you talk to is from Saskatchewan. Uh, right, they've all moved. Um, there must be an outflow issue. Uh, what, how, is that true? I mean, do you find it more leave than, than stay?
1: It's been consistently true for, since Jews came to Saskatchewan in the late um, 1800s. And our community, our Beth Jacob Synagogue it, was founded a year before Regina became a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so And and it's continued to be that way. In other words, for a while there, it grew because people, what they did was they immigrated from the the farms, from the fields of Saskatchewan into the the centers, the main centers, which have now concentrated into Regina and Saskatoon, the two main cities. And from there, as they got on, they started to move out again. And people are still doing that. But we're starting to see a few people starting to come from other places. And I look at the changing dynamic of media, Um, the the reality that we're slowly coming to a place where people can work from home. And of course, this pandemic has been the the catalyst to show that it's absolutely the case. Um, And I see more and more people saying, well, do we have to live in a large center or can we uh, live in a smaller place and and still do what we have to do? And I'm, I'm seeing that shift slowly start starting to take place.
0: Are you doing virtual services? Have been since the first week
1: that we went into
0: lockdown. Will you continue to do them after this is all, God, God willing, over?
1: Um, so far, and that was the big question at the board meeting, should we still do this or should we cut it off so that people will come back to shul rather than just tune mm-hmm. in online? And my answer was, why are you asking the question? As usual, we're, we're, we're worrying too soon. We need to allow things to evolve. So last Shabbos, we had a celebratory um, Shabbat morning service and luncheon in the shul and online, and people came to both.
0: Right. You will even get people who used to live there and have moved away. And that's their home synagogue,
1: right? And they have joined this last year.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So for your future, the guy who was not going to be a rabbi, I swear I'm not (laughs) going to be a rabbi. Why would I be a rabbi? What do you mean me as a rabbi? Okay, I'll be the rabbi. Uh, Where do you go from here?
1: I keep thinking to myself, a rabbi, what kind of a nice a job is that for a nice Jewish boy? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, where I go from here, you know, that's also been a question, because I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm an older guy now, and I'm past the, the traditional retirement age, um, although I don't feel old, and, mm. and it's just a number, I guess, and um, my wife and I have talked about that, and and quite honestly, um, I don't think I'm done yet, not in this community. And we've talked about moving somewhere else, just like other people have done over the, over the years. And I'm not ready to go. And, and I think there's still a room for a place for me here in this congregation, in this community, with the younger families as well, as long as I do it right.
0: And interfaith-wise, do you work with other uh, denominations and in faiths in, in, in Regina?
1: Absolutely, quite, quite extensively. Um, in fact, uh, recently, uh, in the last couple of years, I've done, before the pandemic, uh, the Archbishop uh, in Regina and I did a, um, uh, a presentation on Leonard Cohen and his work. That was a sellout. We ended up doing it twice because it was so popular. And then um, we went. To, that was at the shawl. and then we went to the um, one of the the uh, churches and did a presentation on Psalms and brought in four different choirs, including my my little choir here from from Beth Jacob. And um, discussed Psalms. And since then, he called me to ask because he had to go out, because of what's been going on with the indigenous community, the First yes. Nations community, he has been completely snowed under uh, dealing, addressing those uh, those issues. He called me and said, "Would you? I'm teaching a class on Jesus. Would you take one of my classes for me, please?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the answer was, yes, of course I will. I'm happy yeah. to do it. And so I did. Um, Not that I know much about Jesus, but it's great to be able to start to reconnect uh, the Christian communities to the understanding that Jesus wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew. And so how did he live his life um, as a Jew? And and how did that inform his Christianity?
0: One last thing, which is, you just touched on it, is what is the Jewish response for you in in a place that is in many ways, one of the epicenters of what has gone wrong with our relationship with First Nations people. Um, What is the Jewish response to the horrible tragedy, but also to the ongoing suffering of of our our First Nations people?
1: Um, I think the Jewish response has to be constant. We have to be a part of helping with resolution, a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And um, we have to do that as gently as we can. We have to listen, we have to hear, but we also have to participate. Um, and I am concerned that um, on the one hand, uh, we hear about you know, how bad it is and how sad we are that these things happen. We hear that from government. But then how come there are, there are reserves in Saskatchewan where, these, where people are living without drinkable water and have been for a long, long time? Um, it tells me that we have to reach out to our leadership and remind them that you have to do, go beyond the words and actually do something. Um, and I think that's where we need to go next.
0: Well, Rabbi...
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Shuvah, by the way. Shuvah is not saying I'm sorry or how terrible it is. Shuvah is actually doing something about
0: it. Yeah, and uh, by the way, you know, for me, uh, in some of the things I've been doing with people, you know, there's the, the notion, the Jewish notion of tikkun olam, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I found is that a lot of that manifests itself externally. What action, social action, can I take? But I believe that there's a tikkun olam that has to happen internally with a person, a a repair of their world to be able to help in the repair of the world, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we have to be gentle with ourselves. Um, You know, the center of the human being is the soul. And and that's the one pure thing that we have. Um, We need to dress it better with better qualities, and we need to be more gentle with it and therefore recognize the same in others, including those who would not be necessarily so kind towards other people, uh, reminding ourselves that there's probably a reason for that as well, and maybe we can help them to um, come to a different understanding.
0: Rabbi Jeremy Parnes, Beth Jacobs, Rabbi in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, and our guest here on You Hope It So. I want to thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate you spending this time with me.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure, Ralph, and uh, I wish you well. Thank you.
0: Well, this has been Yehobitsville, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at peartreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Benmergier. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country, visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast of my own called Not That Kind of Rabbi. And if you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, thecjn.ca. Thanks. We'll see you next time. In je hope het